the business will only grow as good as your team. And the sooner you realize that as a CEO, the faster you'll grow. Cause like if I do 16 hours of work now, like there's nothing I can do that's going to make the business go any further. There's just nothing that that is that important for 16 hours of work. It's like, I need five, six, seven, eight, ten people who are all doing super important tasks. You're listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. This show was created for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and dreamers who want to learn from the experts of today and drastically shortcut their own success to build a business that supports their dream lifestyle. Since 2011, Tyler Jorgensen has been interviewing business thought leaders from around the world. A serial entrepreneur himself, Tyler also shares his personal insights into what's working in business today. Welcome to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen. And man, we are going into like well over 500 plus shows and over 200 shows in this uh, iteration of the show. And we're live on ABC News Radio and podcasts and YouTube and wherever you catch these amazing kinds of interviews. And today we have a great entrepreneur to be talking to, Tanner Chittister, uh, who is the founder of Elite CEOs. And Tanner, I first met you when you were like apprenticing and kind of learning from (laughs) David Fry. But man, watching you take off from there has been insane. So welcome out to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, you said my last name perfect. So absolute five star uh, for the show. Everyone download it, record it, watch it. You are on the winner list now. (laughs) That's huge. It's funny how certain names some people just don't get, but I I grew up with some Chittisters. So that's probably why. When was the moment that you first realized that you were an entrepreneur? Oh man, it's so funny. You brought, so you brought David Fry, right? And we both know him and uh, we had lunch and well, I, it was really, I mean, I'll back up slightly is, is when I stopped playing football, because my whole goal was to play in the NFL and uh, that'd be my whole dream, my whole life. And then when that stopped, I was going to school and I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, I don't, is this what people do the rest of their lives? And I had lunch with David Fry and David Fry was like, hey man, you know, you can make a lot of money. He's like, you got the attitude, the look, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I don't know anything about business. No one in my family had ever done it. And that guy convinced me to drop out of school in like a couple months and then I did it and I never looked back. So that was like the first moment. Now, and that wasn't super long ago. Like, I mean, five, four or five years ago? I'd say like, yeah, so probably like six or seven years. So like right when I was around like 20, so I'm 30 now and he, he kind of convinced me around 23, right when like I had a little bit of school left and I just was like, F it. And I just dropped down and I never looked back. So, all right, we're going to zoom backwards a little bit. You were, you were, you know, wanting to play NFL, like you were in college. Um, did, did you feel like that was a dream shift? Like you had to say, okay, I'm walking away from not one dream in order to chase another. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, it's funny now that I actually played division one because you see as ESPN and growing up, you're like, Oh my gosh, that must be a freaking dream. But what happens is you get to school. It's better now actually with the payment stuff they're doing, but sure. when you get to school and they just treat you like cattle. I mean, you get in, you get hurt. It's like, they don't care. They'll move you right. out. Someone else comes in. And a lot of the guys, you know, their grades are so bad that if they don't go pro, their life is over. And a lot of them it was. And so for me, um, it was a dream shift, but I, it was a blessing in disguise because I got to play with multiple first round draft picks. And until you have, you don't really understand what they mean by you're not good enough. Like I played all through high school, college. I'm like, oh man, like I can play with these guys. 
But the guys who go in the first round, they're just better. Like they are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. They don't work out. Doesn't even matter. You can't touch them. And so when I saw that, that's kind of when I was like, hey, you know what? I'm probably not good enough. And that was the first time I was like 22, 23. And then that's kind of when things started to shift. And I got hurt to the point I couldn't really play anymore. The doctor's like, you can keep playing, dude, but you know, your draft stock isn't going to be high. Your shoulders are all busted up. You have hardly any cartilage left. And that's kind of when I was like, Hey, I need to shift. Went through a lot of kind of like depression because it's a little identity shift, but Oh yeah. You know, it's a lot of the stuff I learned has helped me tremendously. And so I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, I remember one time I was driving and I heard, um, you know, there's right now it's baseball signing season, right? So there's these huge right. contracts going out. This was probably 10 years ago. And I heard somebody signed a really big contract and I did the math and I was like, okay, like if I wanted to make elite athlete kind of money, here's how much how I'd have to, my business would have to make a day at what profit margin. I realized that's actually attainable and I don't, that doesn't matter about my genetics or what, yeah. you know, where I ended up playing college. And I remember thinking how amazing that is, that it is possible to make elite athlete money as a business owner. What, um, so you switched in, you, you went entrepreneurship and went that route. You created elite uh, CEOs. Tell us a little bit about the company now, what it does and what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually started off, it was called Fit Warrior and it was fitness. And I did a million bucks in a year. I was working my brains out. Uh, I started seeing a lot of trainers ask me for help. They're like, dude, like, how are you making this money? Start helping trainers. So then it shifted a little bit. We added on this fitness CEOs division where it's trainers and then more people asked. And that's kind of how it started. Um, Elite CEOs now, like the company as a whole, it's been about five years since I started making good money. So really started making money at 25. I just, uh, I didn't just turn 30. I keep saying that I'm 30 now. And uh, we've done on average, you know, about 15 to 20 million a year. First year, first year I did a million in my fitness company. Next year we did 10, then 15. And uh, now around 20. And I think over the next two years, we can get it to 40, 50 million because we're now adding in, you know, other divisions. Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, it's it's been a crazy ride. My brothers have done it with me. Uh, it's been cool to like see it bless other people's lives. And, you know, I, I, once you have more than enough money to where like you're not going to spend it other than get a bigger boat, house, car, you know, stuff that gets old after six months. Um, it's really about just the progression as a human. And so I, I love growing businesses yeah. because of what I have to become to grow to the next level. And that's really been the most rewarding feeling. So speaking of that growth, both individual and business, what was the hardest number? Zero to one, one to 10, or 10 to 20? Zero to one was an absolute yeah. shit show. Um, I was doing everything. I mean, I was doing everything. And so when I say I was working 16 to 18 hours a day, I was literally working 16 to 18 hours a day all day long. And so, you know, as you get to a million, you know, you can start hiring, getting some help. And so I'd say zero to one is just as hard as one to 10 um, and so on and so forth. But zero to one, I was not healthy. I was like not going to the gym as much. I wasn't eating good. Uh, I, I started losing hair as well because I was so stressed out. I think that was the main cause. Uh, and it was bad, man. I had wrinkles where I should have had wrinkles. Like I feel like I aged like 10 years in that year. For sure. <laughs> but it was worth it. It's like, I don't know, like short-term sacrifice for the long-term gain, right? Well, there's a difference of like a short-term sacrifice that has a plan. Like you're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to work because I'm working to hit a milestone. I'm working to hit this certain goal. And then I'm going to make these changes as opposed to what some entrepreneurs do, which is get stuck at really just shifting from being uh, employed to being a self, to being self-employed instead of a business yeah. owner. 
And that I think is one of the biggest challenges is a lot of people get stuck with all the risk of entrepreneurship without the upside of time freedom or, or really true profits. How did you make that that shift where you really started saying, no, I'm going to really focus on being a business owner? Well, I think the first thing was I realized I had to make a certain amount or I would never get out of it because you can't hire anyone. So I right. sprinted as hard as I humanly could to a million. And then once I started getting closer to 10, I just realized, hey, I can't do everything. And I just started slowly hiring out the most time consuming positions. You know, it's so like for me, it was fulfillment. Then it's probably lead generation, then sales calls, then ads, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I'll be honest, like when you start hiring, it's like anything, you're not very good at it. You don't really know what to look for. Um, even if you think you do, you really don't. And so now that I'm in year five, I've really learned now that if you can hire someone who's a culture fit and has prior experience, it will go so much faster than just hiring for upside. And I used to only hire, Hey, you're cheap and you seem like you're work hard. So I'll hire you. But the problem is you basically end up babysitting them. And so it slows you down and the three, four grand you're saving or whatever the number, you would just be able to spend that on someone more experienced and spend your time elsewhere. And so I think you got to kind of wise up as you get older and understand like you can't just always hire the cheapest person. You have to hire the person who has experience and culture fit. You go heck of a lot faster. A lot of times people get one of those things right. They're like, oh, this person has great experience, but they actually don't blend with the team. They can completely disrupt everything. Yeah. Um, what was one of the biggest mistakes you made early on and how did you overcome it? Oh, shit. <laughs> There's so many. It's like, how, how do I choose? Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be early on. It could be yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one of the, I think one of the biggest mistakes was... Probably, I mean, probably honestly with hiring, I think like my expectations were just like very, very high. And I'm not saying you have to lower them completely, but like I would bring people in and expect them to work 16 hours a day like me. And I think with some of your executives, you can, but you have to understand like not everyone has the same goals as you. And so it, it took, it took, I, I probably pushed a lot of people away and turned a lot of people off because I was so goal driven. I was like, you do it my way or you can basically F off. Um, and as right. over time, I still... I still think I'm a little bit more aggressive than most CEOs, but I've dialed it back enough to where it's like, hey, here's the expectations. Here's why they're here. This is how we do things. If that doesn't fit, that's totally cool. You just don't want to work here. Like you're going to want to work somewhere else. And so it's just it's just kind of learning how to talk to people and build a team because ultimately the business will only grow as good as your team. And the sooner you realize that as a CEO, the faster you'll grow. Because like if I do 16 hours of work now, like there's nothing I can do that's going to make the business go any further. There's just nothing that that is that important for 16 hours of work. It's like, I need five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 people who are all doing super important tasks. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that a lot as people start realizing like I need my team. You need your team to have some bandwidth, some, some room yeah. left in the team in case an important project comes up. If you have them running at full speed, there's no ability to be agile and adjust if something comes up. So like there's a value in having, space and margin available with your team. Yeah. And, and it's also, you just do less work. Like when you're starting the business, you're doing everything. And then it gets to the point where you're just a general. And so I spend most of my days now meeting with my managers and directing what we should do. And I'm actually not doing hardly any of the work. It feels different. It like at first it's actually hard. You feel like you're being lazy, but that's actually what the business requires at a higher level. You just have to have other people do the work for you. And you're simply kind of directing what they do. So as you've moved from Fit Warrior into Elite CEOs, kind of up-leveled the brand and kind of gone broader, what does your company do? 
Yeah. So in short, I mean, we just help take, you know, businesses and help them get, you know, to that first 10 K plus month, or we take, you know, existing businesses and help them scale. And, you know, I like to think we do probably one of the best jobs out there. I mean, you get a personalized coach, you get templates, you get emails, you get a copywriting coach, you get a messaging coach, you get uh, three calls a day, group call, one-to-one office hour, live events. I mean, it's just like as hands-on as it possibly can without us running the business for you. If you got any more hands-on, I feel like I'd have to take equity or something. Sure. So, uh, but we, we really just take all the stuff I did to grow my companies. And it just naturally progressed because people said, well, dude, like, what are you doing? And I said, all right, like, here you go. And so I never really thought I was going to grow this company, but it kind of just progressed naturally. And that's what it turned into. You've hit some big milestones, right? And I know that you you also... One of the, my favorite things that you do is you interview a lot of other big entrepreneurs and you provide like a nice summary of what you're learning from them. What yeah. are some people uh, that you have helped you along in your journey? We mentioned David Fry. Like who else has been kind of instrumental in like helping you as you've learned and grown? Yeah, so David Fry for sure. He's like a second father to me. Just without him, I don't think I ever would have started down entrepreneurship. I'd have some job I hate and I'd make far less money than I make now and not, you know, I wouldn't know anyone, my team, my friends, etc. cetera. Uh, I'd say the next person, honestly, that I got really close to over the past year was, you know, just Alex Ramosi. He's been a really good friend to me. He, he gives really good advice. Um, he, he has like, guy has like a no BS meter. And so he'll say stuff to me that sometimes I'm like, damn, dude, like that was extremely direct, but I appreciate it. And it's been helpful for me simply for the fact that um, I feel like we relate on a lot of levels and also he's close to me in age. And so I had a, you know, I still, I'm, I feel like I'm always improving as a person, but I always had this ego when someone older would talk to me. I'm just like, yeah, you're old. Like, yeah, you're old. Yeah, whatever, dude. You're like 20 years older than me. But like when Alex talks, I'm like, you know, he's only a couple years older than me. And so I was like, and he's super successful. So it just really resonated. And a lot of what he said really like impacted me and helped me. And so I'd say between those two, it's like, I don't talk to too many people. I've had some other good conversations, but on a consistent basis, those two guys have really like helped me along. Awesome. Who is someone you really look up to? That's uh, I mean, you mentioned Alex, but who's someone like way afar, like maybe farther ahead or even historically that you really look up to? And what do you, yeah. uh, what do you see? Well, one of the most impressive conversations I've had so far was a guy named Scott Cohen. Uh, I've only talked to him once. And I plan on talking to him again, but he actually took his company to a billion dollars in two years, completely bootstrapped. And he has an internet marketing background. So it's super cool conversation because he was a, he did SEO in an ad agency. He saw Invisalign, basically was like, I'll beat them at their own game, did everything better and sold it for a billion. And that just to me blew my mind and just the speed at how fast he went. And just the fact he had that kind of internet marketing background. Um, and so there's, there's always other people I look at, I'm like, wow, that's impressive. But I think just because this was the space I, you know, was taught and this is where I started from, I always look at guys now that like, you know, what Hermosi's doing, Alex Becker, Scott Cohen's a great example that like were started internet marketing and they kind of went into another direction and used what they learned. So yeah, uh, super impressive guy, like love the conversation, like just blew my mind how fast he grew. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who's a little bit farther in age than you are, than you and Alex, uh, you know, not a ton, but a little bit, right? Yeah. You're good, man. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, it, it's fascinating because I remember being your age and really having that same thing where I look up, okay, if you're a few years older than me, I want to learn from you. If you're farther than that, there's almost like, 
you don't understand my me and my era, my generation, yeah. or what the world is today. But man, yeah. I wish I would have kept that a little bit more open mindedness and just like, what can I learn from each person? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's just one of the things with time that you realize you can get amazing ideas from from anybody, right, at any level. And and uh, I, some of the hyper uh, implementers that I know are the kind of people that they look at just what can they learn from anyone around them, even if they're not ahead of them, right? Like, oh, this guy might be farther behind me, but I can apply what he's doing into what I know and and have a result, right? And that's well, exponential. And it's, and it's also just like, and to your point, I love that, you know, there's always someone doing better than you. And so I think it's like just keeping that humility and understanding like some ponds, you're like, oh, I'm the big dog here. But the reality is like you, when you grow, you're just getting in a bigger pond where you're a smaller fish. And so just kind of keeping that perspective, what you said is like, there's always something to learn and being open-minded. And you know, the smartest people on earth think they're dumb, right? They, they think, oh, I don't know that much. Um, and the smart and the dumbest people on earth think they know a lot. And so I agree with that sentiment. And so just dropping that ego, uh, and learning from everyone is like definitely the way to go. Yeah, and I love that uh, the the concept that you have to be willing to be to seem ignorant and be uncomfortable if you want to keep growing. There is also that that temptation that once you hit one level of success, you have to now like brace yourself and stand on a on a podium, right, and stand on this pedestal. But really, like if you want to maintain that, and that's why I love your story because you went zero to a million pretty fast. But yeah. I am most impressed by how fast you went one to ten. Most yeah, businesses, I mean, I, you know, most people do not do that their second year. That is yeah. super uncommon. Yeah, well, it's like, and it makes sometimes I get mad because I'm like, man, the, it really hurt my ClickFunnels uh, progression to get to the 25 and 50 million because that first year. But no, that it was, it definitely was like all I cared about at that point in my life was it was work, 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 and everything and anyone was second. And so, you know. I'm glad I did it, but it's also to keep perspective. People hear that. And I'm like, I gave up everything to do that. And so uh, if it sounds impossible, it, it's because it nearly was. <laughs> so that's, you know, it was, it was a fun ride though. And I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it works. It's what worked for you. It doesn't mean it's always the only path. And that is one of the great things about being able to learn from others. It's actually why I started this show is like, okay, how do I learn from other people without having to necessarily go through the same amount of sacrifice? Right. Um, so, you know, you, you did that, you did a big sacrifice to get to where you are. How are you making sure you have better work-life balance or work-life integration now at this stage? Yes. That's a, such a great question. So I think I'm a little, maybe I'm a little against the grain on this, but I don't necessarily think there is a quote unquote work-life balance. I think I'm at the point in my life where I just do what I want to do. And so I think you just have to really audit yourself. I got to a point where I felt if I wasn't working, I wasn't progressing. Now I'm in a phase where I've realized, hey, whether I hit a billion or 10 billion or a trillion or even like 100 million, whatever, like I'm not going to feel any different. And so for me, there are some things I do enjoy outside of work. Not a ton. I do I, like work is definitely like one of my favorite things, but there's a few things. So I just take a little more time now where I'm like, hey, you know what? Instead of going to bed tonight at nine o'clock or 10, I'm going to go out with my friends and have a good time. I don't do it very often and I'm not going to feel bad about it, but it's just more of a personal decision. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do things. And I think a lot of people, they try to project what they think is right on others. And it's like, Hey, if they want to work a hundred hours a week, let them work a hundred hours a week. But for you, That's if right. you find fulfillment spending, you know, 40 of your hours with your family and friends, by all means, because at the end of the day, a lot of what we do does not matter. That's my opinion. 
And so it's like, just do what you want to do. And if it makes you happy, then who's to say that you're wrong? The biggest thing in that, that that I really agree with that I've had to learn recently is the not feeling bad about it. It's like, if you want to go and spend time with your friends in one night, and that means you're probably not going to be as productive the next, the first few hours of the next day. Correct. That's okay. As long as you say, as long as you made the decision and like deliberately, yeah. Hey, I'm making a choice to do this because it's what I want. That's totally healthy. No, I just say what's not healthy is to pretend, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, but I'm still going to get up and be super productive. It's like, no, you're not. Be honest right. with yourself. Right. And just being okay with that outcome. So like if you're in a point in your life where all you care about is growth and money and finances and you just want to go as fast as you can, then yeah, you might need to make that sacrifice. But if, if, you're, if you're okay and you can just be honest, like, hey, I'm okay to put that on the back burner for a day, I 100% agree. It's just not saying both. Where it's like, oh, I'm going to still be just as productive. It's like, you're not. And I agree. So I agree with what you just said. That's 100% spot on. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's my biggest adjustment over the past few years is just being really honest with myself and being very deliberate. Like, you know, you can't, uh, you're not going to accidentally, you know, grow a $50 million company, right? Yeah. Like, it, you got to be deliberate. You got to be really yeah. smart with it all. What are some um, common mistakes that you see your students make? And what advice do you have for people making those mistakes? Oh, shoot. I think the most common is like one, people underestimate how hard they're going to have to work. So it's like weird, but for some reason, I guess people just have this like threshold and if they have to work harder than that, they quit. And then two is that most people just are not that good at what they do. They're just not. And it's really interesting, but you know, people never do something and then they think the first 10 tries it should work. And people forget, you know, I started trying to build a business at 23. I didn't make any money until 25. Why? Because I was working door-to-door sales. I was doing all garden. I was like, just didn't really know what I was doing. But all that stuff, people are like, oh, you went zero to a million a year. And then you went one to 10. I was like, because I can sell lights out. Because I spent eight months of my life selling door-to-door security alarms, 12 hours a day, six days a week. So I just think the biggest thing is like people's expectations are just not realistic. And then they're not really willing to learn the skill. Uh, for me, what my biggest strength was, and you can ask David Fry, and that's why, like, you remember the little apprentice stuff, he would always show me sleeping and stuff. But I just told him, I said, when I met him, I said, hey, if I have to lick a floor to be a millionaire, I'll do it. And, but I meant it. And a lot of people, they get a lot of this hustle porn stuff, and they like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then when it comes time to do the work, and nobody's watching, they don't want to do it. So I just think it's one, being willing to do the work, and then two, like, understand you probably suck. And that's like a hard thing for people to understand is like they always want to blame the coach, the person, the program, their circumstance, the situation. And that's not a helpful thought. And so when you're like, hey, what am I doing wrong? Not only do you take your power back, but you'll actually improve. So between those two things, my best clients take massive ownership and they just go harder than anyone else. And they're the ones who are like, Tanner, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like you did it all. Like I didn't do anything. So Probably those um, you, you provided frameworks, right? I think what's interesting is one of the biggest factors I've seen in people who excel, who grow really fast. It yeah. is exactly what you said. Are they willing to do the work? Because, you know, you work 16 hour days. Yeah. Most people are only working about four. Like, exactly. honestly, right? They're, they're, they're not really being productive. And in that, like, there's been studies done where it's actually even less for the yeah. average employee. They're working a productive work is under two hours a day. So if you say, okay, I'm going to focus on being productive, let's even just say eight, right? You're four times, you're doing four times the productivity in a given day. And so if you're, if you're willing to do the work and, and put in the reps, 
and you're also doing extra and you're taking ownership and accountability, like you're compounding that time and your two years that you spent might be with somebody else's 10 years. Now I'm yeah. all of the, I'm of the belief that like if you're only in a race with yourself, there's not like, just because it took you one year doesn't mean everyone has to do it in one year or two years or three or whatever, but it's about taking the ownership and being saying, Hey, I know I'm still stuck in this place because I haven't put in the work instead of blaming a program or a course or a book or whatever, right? Like taking yeah. the ownership is huge. No, hundred percent. And like, to your point, like that's prop Scott Cohen, he did a billion in two years. So like, it's like, if I'm comparing myself to him, man, I'm going to feel like shit. You know, but to someone else, like, wow, million in a year is amazing. But yeah, you're right. Everyone's playing at the own race. And it's just, if you're not good enough yet, I always tell people, I say, like, unless you actually have a mental condition, like not in a joking way, like an actual mental disability, the be- the benefit of doing the reps is even if you're terrible and you make mistakes, eventually it's like, okay, this is hot. Shouldn't put my hand there. You keep doing it over and over. Eventually you should get there, right? No matter where your right. skill set is. I just think a lot of people, they stop before they get there. And that's the sad part because I did the math today. I, you know, my net worth loss would just be millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I probably would have made what four or $500,000 as an engineer today. And instead I've done over 50 million in sales and I almost quit. You could ask David, I called that guy like five times. I'm like, bro, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And so that's like, what makes me sad is like, that's what happens to a lot of people is they just quit right before they hit success. And yeah, that's why there's not that many people successful. Unfortunately, it's just tough. Yeah, it takes well, it takes that grit of pushing through when it looks like. Because to me, there's a there's a fine line between uh, perser- persevering even when all signs are hey you're on the wrong path, mm-hmm. versus I'm going to persevere even though I'm in a hard stage. There's a difference. Some businesses need to be quit. Some ventures need yeah. to not be pursued. That's okay. Stopping as an individual on your path to success or whatever your goal is. That's not okay, right? And that's the difference to be between grit and just like being stubborn. Yeah. And, um, but, and I think like people can just look at it like the four minute mile. Uh, I, I bring this up in a couple interviews, but Billy Jean, I remember seeing his ads. And when I saw his ads, like, I know this thing can work now because I keep seeing this guy and like he can't be smarter than me, not in a bad way, just I like looked up to the guy. And so yeah. I think it's kind of that four minute mile mentality. If you see someone who's done what you, you're trying to do, you've got to know it can work. And that's what's got to keep you moving forward because it can't be that much smarter than you. That has to be your mentality. Has to be. I totally agree. I think um, success leaves clues. And the more people that you're looking out to and, and the more open minded you are, the more see, the more clues you're going to see. Uh, if you want to see more clues that Tanner is dropping, you can follow him on Instagram at Tanner.Chittister. You can go to EliteCEOs.com and learn more about what they're doing. Tanner, my last question for you is a personal question. It's about, because, sure. you know, I know for you, business is your main thing. But to me, business is about also creating a lifestyle that you're happy with. Yeah. What's one personal item on your on your bucket list you're going to do in the next 12 months? Well, man, that's what a great question. So I'm actually stepping out in the next, uh, like under 30 days as the face. So I'll be advising, but I'll be stepping out and I'm going to be traveling for like two months or so. A lot of the advice I've gotten from the affluent people I've talked to, they said, Hey, take two months, do whatever the hell you want to do, read whatever you want to read. And uh, your next idea will come. So I'm going to be traveling. I'm not sure yet, but we're going to start making the list here in the next week. So Awesome. Uh, you got what, any ideas? You're super stoked to go see or, or travel to, or do you not know yet? You know, just somewhere in Europe or uh, Asia, so I can't get on my phone and talk to my team. 
So that's actually the plan is like, make sure the time zone is different enough that yeah. I'm not into the work. Uh, but really, I haven't traveled too much outside of South America, and I've gone to Europe once, so I'm, I'm kind of probably going to get over in Europe and Asia, somewhere over there. Man, there's a lot of great places. Tanner, thank you so much for coming out on the show. Everyone, please go uh, give him a follow on Instagram, tanner.chittister, uh, and you can find, find him at Elite CEOs. Tanner, thank you so much. Now, my business ninjas, wherever you're watching, listening, tuning in, it's your turn to go out and do something. Thank you for tuning in to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. What you didn't hear was one more very important question that Tyler asks each guest. If you want to be a fly on the wall when the real secrets are shared, go to bizninja.com slash VIP and get your access today. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And our one last favor, if this episode was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a fellow entrepreneur so they can grow along with us. Biz Ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something.